Live and local in the afternoon. They always keep you on edge. Cattles and Rami on Sackdown Sports. Hour number three. He's Rami. I'm Cattles on this Thursday. We appreciate you. Let's get into uh, some Niners talk, Rami. All right. Lots of uh, Brendan Ayuk conversation uh, happening around the Bay Area. A lot of people feeling good about Brendan Ayuk. We had uh, well, Emil, got to, got to. we Fragoso in studio at the end of the 2 o'clock hour. And uh, Emil talked about Ayuk and, you know, sounded like he was very high on Ayuk and think he, could, he thinks he could be a stud. So we have a, a lot of conversation about Ayuk. And last year he had 78 catches, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. And given the quarterback situation where you had not one, not two, but three quarterbacks during the season, not too shabby to finish with 78, 1,100, and eight. You'll not take too shabby. Yeah, You'll absolutely. Take that. Yeah. And uh, this week his teammate, Diamador Lenore, one of my favorite names in all of sports. It's fun to say. It is. Mm-hmm. Diamador Lenore. You feel fancy. Met with the media, and uh, here was his take on his teammate, Brandon Ayuk. The toughest receiver, Brandon Ayuk, you know, uh, we've been having our battle since college. You know, he's, he's been, uh, he's, he's going to be a top five receiver in this league this year. He's going to put everybody on notice. I feel like he's been so underrated. Um, he really don't get the credit that he deserves. He is going to be a top five receiver. Says Lenore. In the whole league? Yes. Ayuk is going to be a top five guy. Which begs the obligatory question to you, Rami. Yes. Do you believe Brandon Ayuk will be a top five receiver in 2023? I can't see that happening. And that's no knock on Brandon Ayuk. That there's there's a couple things. Hater. That, there's a couple things at play. Hater. I love Brandon Ayuk. Can't stand Ayuk. There's a couple things at play. First, Rami dumping on the poor guy. You're a mean one. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's for Nick. Yeah. All right? I need JJ back. Captain he knows, pessimist here. He knows where the drops belong. But I'm just, I'm just looking at it. I'm looking at two different things, Nick. One, this doesn't exist in a vacuum when you talk about Brandon Ayuk and, and how good he can be. And just, I just pulled up a list while you were so masterfully setting up the topic of the top receivers in, in the national football. And I just have a list of 10 here. Thank you, by the way. That just, was kind. No problem. Just a list of 10 here. And you tell me, let's, let's just say Brandon Ayuk is 11th. Okay, let's just say he's 11th right now. You're really telling me you can see him passing up five of these guys between Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, uh, A.J. Brown, and this is just from NFL.com, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, uh, Monroe St. Brown, C.D. Lamb, and uh, Cooper Cup. I don't even know if I agree with that list. and I, I wouldn't even put Brandon Ayuk at 11th, but let's just say, hypothetically, he's 11th. He's going to pass six of those guys and be a top top five wide receiver. I just I can't see that happening, man. He was 22nd in receptions last year. 22nd. Again, we, we, we gave you the context. We understand the quarterback situation, which... And that's the second part of it, Nick, is the quarterback situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you could walk into this year and be confident. And look, Lenore is obviously his teammate. And did, they go, did he also go to ASU? You pointed out earlier that there was... Because he said he's been battling with them since college. So I got to assume he also went to ASU. Uh, I will look that up. 
And you pointed out the lack of objectivity from a meal earlier. There no, he went to here. he went to Oregon. Okay. So when when you look at what Lenore said, obviously we all understand he's his teammate, and he's going to really pump the tires because that's what teammates should do. I mean, you're in the business of pumping your teammates' tires, make them feel good, make them feel confident, believe in him. There's no doubt in my mind that Lenore believes that Ayuk has top five receiver talent. But, yeah, I mean, there are extenuating circumstances that affect and impact any receiver, any tight end, any running back, any quarterback. There's always those extenuating circumstances. You're not going to be as good of a quarterback if your offensive line sucks. You're not going to be as good of a running back if your O-line sucks. You're not going to be a top five receiver, most likely not going to be a top five receiver, because I can't rule it all out. I mean, there's, I guess there's a slight chance, whether you say 2%, 5%, it's a slight chance. It's always possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the chance of you being a top five guy in the league at that position with the unknowns at quarterback I mean, that is very, very difficult to envision. Also, Nick, we talked yesterday about the fact that, or we were talking about Debo Samuel and his harsh critique of himself, saying he was awful last year and he was looking at the tape and he was embarrassed and it was sluggish and you'll never put play like that on tape again. And I said he was maybe a little too hard on himself. And part of the reason I said he was too hard on himself, some of it was, yes, the quarterback situation, also the injuries that, that he suffered last year. But the fact that, there was less asked of him and there were a lot of there were a lot of guys very very skilled talented guys on the offensive side of the ball for whoever was the quarterback to spread it around to i don't know if there's enough football to go to Brandon Ayuk even if he's even if he's a top 5 talent in this league Nick. yeah i don't know if there's enough football for to 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 get to Brian Brandon Ayuk in terms of the targets and the receptions and everything else when you got Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield and catching a bunch of passes. You got George Kittle. You got Debo Samuel. It's you it's, got weapon depth. There's 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 a lot of guys there that that require a lot of attention and require a lot of targets. It's like when you have three or four basketball players who are high usage guys. You know, there's only one basketball. There's only so much opportunity on a football team. And, and when you go through the list that Rami just provided you, and we all know kind of like the back of our hands at this point, those weapons that the Niners have, it's very difficult to envision Brandon Ayu catching 115, 120 footballs because you're battling all of those guys. They need Justin Jefferson to be that good. You know what I mean? Right. They need Stephon Diggs to be that good in Buffalo. These These top five, top ten guys that we're talking about, in a lot of cases – they're they're by far and away the number one target in an offense. You can't say that about Brandon Ayuk. We don't even know if he's the number one targeted guy in this offense this year, much less the number one wide receiver or a top five wide receiver in this league. And let's even say he is, okay? Let's let's just build off of that premise. Let's say that he was the guy. He was the guy, no doubt, surefire, number one coming into this season. Because he might be. Let's say he is. Well, let's not forget about Kyle Shanahan's system, right? Like, we also have to think about the system, the scheme. What does this offense do? This offense runs the football. It run- This offense, the Shanahan offense, has always been defined. Even with John Elway, it's been defined as a run-the-football offense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you look at the opportunity... I do not foresee many games when you have a quarterback dropping back, throwing the football 45 times in this offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to be efficient. They're going to throw a lot of short passes and have yak. 
and, you know, the occasional throw down the field. That's kind of what they do. They'll hit Kittle down the seam in the middle of the field. They'll hit Debo, you know, on a slant, and, and Debo will take it to the house from 60 yards out. They'll throw a couple of shots downfield to Ayuk. Like, that's what they do. But they're going to define themselves with the run game. That's always been the case. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan is all of a sudden going to walk into the season and say whether it's Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, or Brock Purdy, we're going to throw the ball 50 times a game. I think Brandon Ayuk is an absolute stud. And in the right in the right offense, in the right situation where he's, like I said, by far and away the number one guy that, that, an, that a quarterback in an offense would, would target and gear their offense towards, maybe top 10, maybe. I don't see top five, and I, I honestly I don't even see top ten with the way that things are laid out with with the 49ers and and his role within that. And you know the point that you brought up too, man. Like, look, he made he made a big step last year, and again, given the circumstances that he's dealing with on this team with this specific roster and this specific scheme and coaching staff, having seventy eight catches for eleven hundred yards is a really 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 good season. He was still 22nd in the league in receptions. There are a lot of guys he's going to have to leapfrog to be a top five guy. And the guys that you named earlier in this segment, with all due respect to Brandon, I don't think he's there. And I don't think he's going to be Justin Jefferson. I don't think he's going to be Jamar Chase. I don't think he's going to be A.J. Brown. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he can be very good. He could end up being top ten like you said, Rami. The top five... Again, this is the conversation, and I had this argument for years. Everybody started to get lazy with the word elite. Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, we just could get lazy with it. Everybody for like a three-year, three or four-year window, everybody was elite. Oh, is he elite? Is he elite? I think he's elite. Maybe he's elite. Remember, I heard elite a billion times. Remember the "Is Joe Flacco an elite quarterback?" discussion? Yeah. Just mentioned it, Flacco and Eli. Like that—that that was the two guys that, to me, oh man, are at the tip of that spear. And it's like, look, there's a reason why we call certain athletes elite. You can't all be elite. There are not 9, 10, 15 guys that are elite in the league. Now, it changes by position, but there's just, you know, there might be two, three or four elite tight ends, for example. So let's not get lazy with the word. If you say that Ayuk is a top five receiver in the NFL, you are saying he's an elite receiver. I think there are other guys who are better than him. Yeah. Doesn't mean that he's bad. He's a stud, like you said. He's really good. And maybe, just maybe, if he was on a team with more opportunity in kind of different circumstances and a Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, sure. then we'd be talking you know, about him legitimately being a top five guy. But off of you know seeing all these other guys who are as talented as Ayuk and have better circumstances that give him give them more opportunity, I just I, I can't put him in the top five. No. Top five, I don't think is is realistic. So, uh, top ten, maybe, and I even think that's that's a reach, given the circumstances. Not because he's not that good, but the, given the circumstances. All right, nine one six three three nine eleven forty is the text line. One eight hundred nine two zero eleven forty is the phone number. You can also check us out on YouTube. YouTube dot com Sacktown Sports eleven forty. When you swing by YouTube, make sure you give us that like. I mean, we're covering a lot. We're doing some. Uh, NBA with the Kings and some other day. NBA topics. We're we're breaking news here on the show about Sasha Vizankov. Uh We had some fun at the A's expense getting dragged at the Nevada State Legislature. 
uh, which, by the way, an update from Evan Drellick. Uh, they adjourned in Carson City until Monday morning, so oh, nothing happening. That's that's a shame. They're going to do a third day? Which, again, means the A's, as of right now, they ain't got the votes. Oh, man. So we do that's, a lot here. That's too bad. We talked about aliens. I mean, we cover a lot. We really do. Give us that thumbs up. Uh, speaking of covering a lot in covering baseball, Keith Law will join us to discuss the Giants and more in 90 seconds. Cattles and Rami. Cattles and Rami. Cattles and Rami. Sports. All right, let's uh, get to the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. And joining us right now is Keith Law, senior writer, MLB, for The Athletic. Keith, thanks for joining us here. We've got uh, Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports, on this Thursday. We appreciate your time. Just we got to start off with the obvious. Uh, your thoughts on the messy situation between the A's, Oakland, and Vegas? It's not entirely my beat, so I, I can't say I know a ton of the details here. I will say I've been on record for 25 years now saying that all the economic research shows that paying taxpayer money to build sports stadia for privately owned sports teams is a terrible, terrible idea for the economy. And it certainly seems like people in Vegas are catching on to that. There's at least a lot of political opposition. There's a lot of uh, taxpayer opposition there. I'll believe the A's are moving to Vegas when I actually see them take the field in a new stadium there. And part of, part of the whole thing, and, and and seemingly one of John Fisher's negotiating tactics, is to put a terrible product on the field so people don't support it and he can justify moving the A's. Can you put into some perspective just how bad that product on the field has been this year? Um, I haven't watched a ton of major league games. You know, my beat is primarily prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty bad, though. They're on certainly on a historic pace. We'll see if that actually holds up. Most teams that have been on a pace like that end up just sort of lucking into a, a slightly better record than that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got to the end of July and we were talking, how bad is this A's team historically? Do they have a chance to challenge maybe the all-time loss record? Keith Laws with us here on Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports. Keith, the Giants, a game above 500. They're five and a half games back in the West, one game back in the wild card. And, you know, at least some of this or a lot of this has to do with some of that young talent. Just your assessment of some of that development from the Giants that, that have uh, put them in this spot. Well, we haven't seen a lot of content from products of the farm system yet. I think most of their better prospects are still dead farm. We haven't seen Kyle Harrison. We haven't seen Luis Matos, who's kind of the big breakout prospect, one of the big breakout prospects in all of minor league baseball this year. Uh, he's in AAA. I expect we'll see him at some point this season. It does look like Marco Luciano is healthy and is going to be able to help the major league club maybe maybe by the very end of this year. Uh, most of what they've gotten from the, the terms of, I'd say, surprise production this year has been guys like Tyro Estrada, Wade, producing well above what they've done previously in their careers. And I do think that comes back a lot to the work that Gabe Kapler and the major league staff are doing there where they have, they, they have shown over the course of three years now that they can get, just get a lot more out of players like that. Even if it's just making modest adjustments to guys swings or working with them a little bit to improve their approach, 
guys, hitters especially, do get better when they play for Kapler and his coaching staff. Yeah, I've heard and read a lot about, about Matos, their their top prospect. Can you give me a comp, somebody at the major league level right now, who you think he, he compares to? Um, I don't really do player comps. I've always kind of felt like they were a little bit, they're potentially a little bit misleading. I sure. like to, personally, I just like to evaluate players kind of on their own merits. What has really stood out from him this year more than anything else, though, is just how much better his approach at the plate has been. I saw him last year. I saw him in the fall league, and I, I just went back to make sure, I, I'm quoting myself, I said he looked like a shell of his old self, which is a weird thing to say about a 20-year-old, but something wasn't right. I don't know if he was still dealing with the quad injury or what. He did not look like the same guy. He's always put the ball in play a ton. He's making much better decisions at the plate. He can really play center field. Now that the quad injury is healed, he can really run. There's a lot of positives here. There's a lot of really good things to say about him. And I think Giants fans should be very excited now that it looks like he's back on track. And and again, I think he's going to help the club at some point this year, whether they need him or not is a separate story, but he'll be ready to help. Keith Law from The Athletic is with us here. He's on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Uh, Keith, of course, one of the bigger storylines in the last week or so is Ellie De La Cruz getting the call up. He had a bomb yesterday. Uh, Just your thoughts on his ceiling, your evaluation of that player, and and how good can this guy be? So I had him, he was the best product in baseball at the time of his call-up. A couple guys that graduated, Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, were ahead of him coming into the year. And I would say based on what they were doing in the minors, he'd really passed. um, He had passed uh, Jackson Churio of the Brewers, who was the one other guy ahead of him. Ellie is, it's all superlatives, right? He is, it's off the charts power. It is incredible running speed. He's got great bat speed. He's got one of the best throwing arms anywhere in professional baseball, maybe second or third strongest throwing arm that anybody's got. And what he really showed this year in the minors was he could get more selective at the plate. The big issue he had, I saw him in a ball, I guess this is two plus years ago. And I said, Hey, this is great. We've seen a lot of guys like this who are super tooled out. They have power, they can run, maybe they can throw, but they swing at everything. And Ellie has gotten better in that regard in each of the last couple of seasons. And that's why I think he's able to, why he earned that call up and why I think he'll actually help that Reds club the rest of the year. Might be inconsistent, but there's going to be a lot of highlights. We're seeing a few rules changes at the major league level this year. And I'm a fan of of most of them, if if not all of them at, at this point, Keith. But they're to- toying with more at the AAA level, including the electronic strike zone, a robot ump, however you want to term it. How, what's been the reaction to that among among the minor league world? The problem we're having with it is um, walks are way up in AAA. Uh, the last time I looked, I should really update my data here, but they were up 15% in the International League and 20% in the Pacific Coast League. That's entirely due to the automated strike zone. What's What we're discovering is that the real strike zone is actually a lot smaller than the strike zone <laughs> that gets called. And so, you know, on the one hand, you say, I want the real strike zone to be called. Call it like it is in the rule book. Yeah, that's fine until you have 18 walks in a game and everybody's Oof. trying to you know, pull their own eyes out with a plastic fork because – Nobody wants to see that. I think even hitters would tell you in general, that's not the kind of baseball they want to be playing. And so that's the adjustment they're going to have to make. And I do think that's going to be a bit of a struggle for Major League Baseball to try to figure out what's the best way to do this. Do they recalibrate the strike zone so that 
pitchers have a little bit more of an even chance. You want to find that perfect balance between hitters and pitchers, and I worry that the way they're calling it in AAA right now, that might go a little too far in the hitter's direction. Keith, we started with the A's. Let's end on the A's, and let's look at that farm system. I know that uh, earlier this year you had them ranked 27th, which which is pretty amazing considering some of the big trades mm-hmm. that they've made in, in recent history. Uh, what's gone wrong there with their evaluation of prospects and, and not getting enough for some of the guys that they dealt? Yeah, um, all of the above. I, actually, I think you've, <laughs> you've got it all, right? They have not drafted particularly well. They have not uh, – they have not done well in trades. They have particularly seemed to target in trades. They've gone after guys who used to be prospects. Maybe they're a year off of their peak value. And I yeah. think a lot of the times they think they're getting, you know, you're getting a guy a little cheaper. Are you getting a guy at a discount? Not enough of those guys have worked out for Oakland. And in the draft, I mean, I like their guys. I, I, I don't, this is not personal. I've gotten to know a lot of their scouts over the years but they've had some pretty big first-round misses. I'm not even talking about Kyler Murray. I'm talking about the guys who signed and got into the system and who just weren't good enough to be picked where they were picked. That's the thing that they really have to address, and they're just, yeah, right now, um, you know, unfortunately their last couple of drafts are, are not contributing enough to the system to pull them out of that bottom-bottom tier. So I lied. I got one more question for you. Yeah, um, we, talked about, we talked about the Giants, <laughs> and you brought up some of those names. Uh, how do you feel their system is? What, what kind of shape do you think the San Francisco Giants are in right now down on the farm? You know, I thought – I don't remember where I ranked them exactly coming into the season, but I was definitely down on them and, and pointed out you know, they just had a bad year down on the farm. A lot of guys got hurt. A lot of guys underperformed. That would include Patrick Bailey, who's, looked at, who's been better in the minors and at least been a little bit better in the majors so far. What I think has happened is almost everyone – that struggled last year, they're all getting healthy and now they're all playing a lot better. So I think the arrow is very strongly pointing up for them at this point. Great stuff, Keith. Thank you. We always appreciate the time, my man. Uh, Enjoy your weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. There goes Keith Law, MLB senior writer for The Athletic. He was on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. It it truly is amazing, Rami, um, in all the wrong ways. To look at you know, the opportunity, because we, we get wrapped up into this A's Vegas talk, as we should be. But we talk about the on-field product at the big league level, and we talk about the Vegas move. We can't overlook the terrible job that this front office has likely done, because you always kind of leave some wiggle room because prospects develop at different phases, different stages, and different times and ages. But when you look at, you know, what the A's have received – from some of the trades they've made in recent years, man, the opportunity was there to field a young, competitive, fun, athletic baseball team, and it looks like they just completely missed the mark. Yeah, and but that doesn't that doesn't shock me, Nick. You know what I mean? We we can we can go back in history with the Kings, but Moneyball, Robbie. I know, but we can go back in history with the Kings and dysfunction at one level of an organization usually indicates dysfunction. At all, if at many, if not all levels of that organization, you know what I mean? So the fact that their front office and their scouting department is not up to par is not shocking to me. The The Oakland Coliseum is a physical representation of what the A's are as an organization. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's not surprising to me. Chaos at one level usually means chaos exists at all levels. 
And the problem, I joked about Moneyball. The problem is, you know, Moneyball years ago was a thing when you were ahead of the curve. Yes. And then when people started to figure it out and analytically change the way and their methods of evaluating talent. People poached that front office. And then and, you got in some trouble. And there are, like, you have coaching trees, you have front office trees that, that grow from there. And now you have people with the same the same information at their fingertips and with much, much more resources. So who, that leveling of the playing field is, uh, has been negated. Who's to blame's next? Sacktown Sports. I'm Simone with your Sacktown Sports headlines. Sacramento Kings prospect Sasha Vinchenkov exited Game 2 of the Greek League Finals with an apparent right knee injury. He was carried off the floor and is receiving medical care, including an MRI, to determine the severity of the injury. Cattles and Rami will keep you posted with updates as we get them. Denver Nuggets clapped back in historic fashion last night for Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray became the first duo to post 30-point triple-doubles in the 109-94 win, dousing the Miami Heat amid the palm trees of Kaseya Center last night. Nuggets take the 2-1 series lead. Heat looking to get back in the win column when they host Game 4 of the Finals tomorrow. Back on the left coast, gotta rack up Nevada's special sessions on the A's relocation, highlight the latest alien free agency notes, and tap into some Cattles and Rami Thursday funkiness. If you miss anything, rewatch the fun over at Sacktown Sports' very own YouTube page, or download us wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I'm Simone. Those are your Sacktown Sports headlines. We got Who's to Blame next coming up on Cattles and Rami. Who did what and why? Who are you pointing the finger at? It's not whether you win or lose. It's how you place the blame. It's who to blame. On Cattles and Rami. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Who's to blame? You can blame me giving away some Nikki Glazer tickets because we're going to do that in a little bit. Stay tuned for that. Time to point some fingers. Simone like that. Here on the Cattles and Rami show. She appreciated that more than you did. Definitely more than Kyle. Kyle's not as chipper today. I think it's uh, probably my fault. I mean, you started off the show. Yeah, I cut him off the knees. Him up. Yeah. Absolutely. Took me about him. took me about ninety seconds to get after him today. You set the tone early for the game, and I think now that we're in the third quarter, we we've kind of kept the tone going. And some might say that it was unfair. It was. I think it was totally fair. No, totally unfair. This is more fault. reputational than anything else. Unwarranted. You made your bed, Kyle, and you're lying in it, my friend. All I right. haven't had the windows to make jokes today. Thank God. Let's get to uh, who's to blame. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up a little bit today. Who's to blame has to do with uh, video games and college football. Here's the deal. College football players have been urged to boycott the EA Sports college football game. Uh, Here's some of what's going on. This is from Pete Nakos from On3. I have no idea what that outlet is, but that's uh, who wrote this. Kyle is jumping to the microphone. Who is it? You got it? No, tell me. On3 is a very popular college football website. Oh, Oh, okay. I'm a college football fan. I don't even know that. How'd you not know that? Add it to the bookmarks. Damn it. All right, so according to Kyle, On3 is a very popular college football website. And uh, Pete Nakos wrote about this uh, recently. So last month, EA Sports announced players would be paid for their NIL to be used in the college football video game, which is slated to return in 2024. EA has contracted one-team partners to facilitate college athletes' likeness. A source told On3 the cash pool for athletes was in the $5 million neighborhood. Now, when you hear $5 million, you're like, ah, I'm pretty good money. 
But when you think about how many college football players there are in this game, uh, then it would pay out about 500 bucks per player, Rami. Sportico has also reported that there are no royalties. No royalties. None. Uh, for Justin Falsinelli, who is the vice president of the College Football Players Association, that don't fly, as Mike Brown would say. The organization tried to establish its first chapter at Penn State last summer. Uh, the PA is now urging athletes to boycott the game with the hope EA will reconsider its payouts to athletes. Who's to blame, Rami, for this beef? Um, it's EA Sports and the NCAA and their greed, obviously. $500 per player, Nick? $500 per player and no royalties. That's just... That's insulting. It's like if you're going to give me 500 bucks, you should at least entertain giving me the and royalties. Man, I don't I don't get the popularity of the EA Sports college football game, but people this thing is huge. I don't know why when Madden's out there and the NFL is out there, but it's huge. People are still Nick playing and streaming. Yeah. And making money streaming. I have the old school one. The, like the last really old version one. of the EA Sports. Yeah, Co- NCAA 14. NCAA, NCAA 14. Is that what it was? Ten years later, people are... St- and you have the gall, the audacity, the temerity to offer these dudes 500 bucks per player and no royalties on what is probably almost literally a billion dollar product, in my estimation. Oh, more than All that. All right, so let's, let's, let's drill down. On that greed, because I think a lot of us would agree that it's, you know, EA Sports side. So I found this article, The Business of College Sports, from Christy Dosh. She wrote this May 17th, so a little under a month ago. Almost exactly 10 years ago, I wrote as ESPN Sports Business Reporter about how much schools were making from EA Sports video games. It was an important topic at the time because of Ed O'Bannon's lawsuit against the video game maker. Now, this was from 10 years ago. This was from Christy 10 years ago, Christy Dodge. Industry analysts at that time told Sports Illustrated the NCAA football franchise likely accounted for just 5% of EA Sports' total revenue per year. If you're wondering what that is, it's $125 million. So 10 years ago, uh, NCAA football for EA Sports accounted for $125 million of revenue. Where does it go? Well, one team who was going to be you know, distributing this thing and work. They get 30% of the revenue. So one team will get 30% of the revenue. The schools also get a slice of the revenue, and it depends on what school and all that. Uh, And if you're wondering, Ed O'Bannon's lawsuit, the aforementioned lawsuit, obviously O'Bannon won that lawsuit. There were some some guys that were kind of uh, named in the lawsuit that got more money. They got like fifteen. Some of them got like fifteen grand or whatever. But they had twenty four thousand nine hundred and eighteen athletes. Those twenty four thousand nine hundred and eighteen athletes got anywhere from a hundred dollars to nine thousand three hundred dollars for winning that lawsuit. Uh, so you're telling me that again, seven years after that lawsuit. Let me get this correct. Athletes were getting a hundred. I bucks, want to get this correct. A hundred bucks to nine thousand three hundred dollars, and seven years later, the best you could do is five hundred bucks, no royalties. Unreal. Especially because this is without question when that game comes out, the biggest sports video game release in history. Which I still I don't understand, but well, it part is of it's what the it exclusivity. Is. They haven't made a game in eleven years. It is going to be without question the highest selling sports video oh, game not, of all yeah, time. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying I've never understood the pop, pop 
popularity. I can talk. The popularity of that game. I loved it when I played video games, so I, I understand it. I still have a copy of NCAA 13 on Xbox sitting in my apartment. I don't have an Ooh. Xbox anymore, but I still have the game. I do still have an Xbox yeah, give at it my to parents' me. house. Uh, Scoop-de-whoop says, do you guys know Shaq, Kenny, and Ernie don't make a dollar for being on 2K? Uh, I'll take your word for it, but he says people want to be in video games for free. Well, yeah, people that are well-paid and make millions of dollars are fine yeah, with being sure, in video I'm games sure, for free. I'm sure that's worked into their TNT contract. College athletes, let's not compare college athletes to Shaq, Kenny, and Ernie. They are well, well compensated. And if you're saying, oh, Alabama, blah, blah, and I, this is college athletes, like college football players for other universities who are not making tons of bank from NIL and not making tons of bank from boosters who are dropping duffel bags still to this day at their front door. This is all college football players that are in this game. So let's not compare them to millionaires. They're doing just fine. Unreal. So there you have it. And yeah, I, I, I talked about this with the PGA and, and Liv the other day. Just the shamelessness of the rich is there is no end to it. There is no limit to the shamelessness of the rich. To even go to those college kids and say, oh, here here's $500 and no royalties for your likeness on this game that's going to make a billion dollars. Like, they, they, they have no shame at all. Not even a little bit. We might regret this segment coming up. And I know I was supposed to give away Nikki Glazer tickets, and, and I will. Give away the tickets. You know what? I'll give away do the tickets right now. Right now. We got Let's time. Right we got time. Now. Look at you. Look at the both of you, Let's huh? Just do it. Motivating me. This is good stuff. Get it done, like, Let's do this, huh? Let's give away some tickets, Let's give away some tickets. Let's go. Nikki Glazer tickets. There we go. Good Girl Comedy Tour. That's coming to the Hard Rock it. Live Sacramento October 14th. Forget the clock. Looking for caller number 10. 10. To the uh, Folsom Lake Honda hotline slash contest line. 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140. Caller number 10 to that 10. contest line. Wins a pair of tickets to the uh, Nikki Glazer Good Girl Comedy Tour. Coming to the Hard Rock Lives in Sacramento, of course, October 14th. Congratulations to caller number 10. Thanks to Live Nation, who has your plug to check out, Nikki Glazer. And uh, I'll give you the number one more time. 1-800-920-1140 is how you get those ducats. Okay, as I was saying, mm-hmm. we might regret this segment because uh, Simone takes over the show next. Uh, I'm Steve Hill. With you one mile at a time during the afternoon drive. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. Well, I wouldn't say this is the moment we've all been waiting for. I, I would more aptly say this is the moment Simone's been waiting for. Sure. I've been waiting for it. That's true. He's hooked. I enjoy this. Uh, I would like to bring up this might have been my idea, which I could quickly <laughs> regret. May regret. Could yeah. quickly regret this. There's some great, great sound we're going to get to. All right. So uh, last night, before I hand this segment off to our expert, Simone, last night was uh, part three. Because they apparently needed... Oh, this was needed... the third and final the part. third and final. Oh, wow. You know, so now it's that, over, over. It's over. Till next season. Until they hoodwink you okay. and they come back with like a fourth in like a month from now. No. But, yeah. So, uh, so last night was part three because apparently everybody was dying for three parts when we talk about a reunion. Because one reunion show is not enough. Let's pump three out there. We need mm-hmm. three, yeah. So last night was part three of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. 
And Simone, you are the expert. Yes. I have She's no our idea. She's insider. I don't get the show. I don't know the show. I don't watch the show. I do know that the show is popular. Yeah. For whatever reason. Culturally, it's so important. So important. Go on. It's probably a reach. It's but not how I describe <laughs> it, but okay. Probably a reach. But uh, people love this thing. That yeah. They do. That so, they do. Just kind of a quick, before we get into the reunion part, yeah. the quickest synopsis of this show that you can give to people who are listening like me who have no clue. Right. It is a show based in West Hollywood that follows young, hot, wannabe restaurateurs. They all used to work at one restaurant. They became so popular. Now they own their own restaurant. Oh, they've they've branched out. Yep. Oh, okay. I they thought they all own, just They work. all used to be terrible, like, servers and yeah, interact with each other. Yeah, they Lisa and, Vanderpump. Yep, and, and cheat on each other, title. but who? now- yes. Who? A restaurateur in her own room. Yeah, but who, who, who? I missed her name, honestly. Lisa Vanderpump. Lisa, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, now they're just doing their thing. They all have their own companies and different things that they're working on. They're all still cheating on each other. The big, <laughs> Wait, so they all go out with each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very incestual. Very incestuous. So the big deal was that this couple that was together for nine, ten years, it was just found out that he had been cheating on her with another fellow cast member. And they had already filmed everything. And then oh, had it was pick- a cast member? Yes. I thought this was just some rando. No. Oh. And they're interacting in scenes together, and she's, like, loving on her and taking care of her. And we all know as an audience that Oof. this scandal is coming, but they've already filmed it, so it's just a really interesting space to be consuming that. So you're questions? watching. You're watching the fraudulent action. Yes, yes. They're they're already in hooking real time up. because yep, none, they're already hooking up with each other. But right. oh, that's you, great. they don't know it, but we as an audience do. I mean, it's right. Awful. They're awful people. Yeah. But entertainment factor. That's pretty. So great. for the it reunion, does actually sound pretty good. Yeah, it's damn it. Yes! <laughs> Oh, my God. Damn it. You're going to love it. <laughs> the regrets. All, all the wrestling people, all sports. Anyone who loves sports can get into it, and we definitely have our fighters. Still and, the Bravo Cinematic Universe. Yes. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, let us maybe toss to some of the sound bites from Please. the Part Please 3 do, reunion. Yes. Uh, Kyle, pick one of them, and I'll just uh, backspace it. I'll, I'll backfill it. Sandoval, have you slept with anyone else since you and Raquel started sleeping together? No. What about, about that girl after, what about the girl after the bar after Dude, you played you on guys, Thursday yeah. night? You guys, where are you getting your information? Well, no, you know who he did sleep with after him and Raquel started sleeping together? Me. Yeah, she kept her T-shirt on. It was really hot. What? That was, the, that was the quote that everyone was like, oh, we're going to kill him. Isn't that so disgusting? And that's coming from the mouth of a cheater. And, and what's his nickname again for people who don't know? Scandival? I mean, that's his name is Sandoval, so the whole thing is called the Scandoval. All right, let me ask you this. Also, the t-shirt, the t-shirt look. We all know. I'm with it. The old, the old, the old Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dripping wet, buck naked. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh. I'm a fan. I'm just saying. Okay, so we all know reality TV. Yes, and and how it's done. Yes, you're gonna ask me. A question now, about there's, production. there's probably a high, there's a high probability, yes, that this dude saying things like that, just because he knows that's inflammatory. that's his character at this point. I think he right? really playing into the heel. I yeah, I yeah. don't think he knew 
how disgusting it sounded. I think he was trying to say like, oh, you know, she wasn't giving me that that crazy intimacy. And I, I don't think he knew how bad it landed. Okay. I don't know. Even though he said off the top, no, I haven't slept with anyone. Right. Do you watch this? Obviously, Kyle. Do no. I? I learned about this from Simone four weeks ago. Yeah. So you didn't. He's you, in the same boat as us, yeah. basically. Yeah. Okay. So I but, want you guys to think how, about it like a Super Bowl. It's but he knows the context. Long. I've <laughs> been li- I've been listening and being empathetic and hearing what Simone has been having to say for four weeks. <laughs> okay. So all my information is coming from Simone. Okay. And being Michael Rappaport. Empathetic. You know what? You know, the show? You, you know what Kyle really means. He's been stuck listening to you <laughs> babble about this for the a last month. Have and he's a, he's a really good friend. And I'm so he's just here to give people he's, what they need. He's there to absorb it and let you vent. Oh yes. Let's go over to uh, Michael Rappaport. I think he puts a nice bow on this whole Vanderpump situation now that we the have The reason to why dressed. the fans hate them so much is because Tom represents every guy that has cheated on every girl. Amen. And Raquel represents the girl that did the cheating. Raquel represents the best friend that stabbed you in the back. Tom didn't cheat on you. Tom didn't cheat on me. Rachel, a.k.a. Raquel, a.k.a. that Bambi-eyed B-word, she didn't cheat uh, behind my back (laughs) or your back. It happened to Ariana, and it happened to that friend group. Bambi-eyed B-word? Yeah, that's that's a quote. B-I-M-B, you can fill in the rest. So first, uh, first question, why... What's Michael Rappaport have to do with oh, this? Fully engaged. He's fully engaged. But We're going like, to have him on as like, a guest. He's I got, like an I got analyst questions for him. Michael Rappaport's yeah. a super fan. Look, hold on. Who's we? When we, you were out. Me and Jay. When you were out, we were efforting Michael Rappaport. <laughs> do it as a talk pod- about podcast. Sounds yeah. great. Uh, but is he like, is he a part of the show? No, no, no. No, this no is he's like, just a super fan. It's like if we got a Bill Simmons on to no, talk I, basketball. I understand. Super, I just didn't know if he was part of like no, the no, reunion I'm, and no, this no, was no. his take I'm, on the reunion I'm giving show. you a sports expl- explanation or yeah. comparison. This is this would be like if we got a Bill Simmons on to talk basketball or a Mike Breen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, I understand. This is his area of expertise. No, I, the first time what, I got to talk about this was because he put out a video saying that this is our under- Super Bowl today. I, I get he's a Super I understand. I understand the thought of having him on the show. My question question was, was he actually a part of the reunion no, shows? No, because no. sometimes they bring in celebrity, oh, quote unquote, no, no. Oh, to like interview him? Yeah. No, just Andy Cohen. I didn't know if like he was on the reunion show and that no. was kind of his his take on no. the show. Just our Lord and Savior, Andy Cohen. Yeah. You got to stop. <laughs> it's got it, at some point. It, oh, it's been real to be on, on the radio. I think this is my last go At some go point around. it gets bad. <laughs> and I feel like we're teetering towards bad with you in no, the show. No, it's over. It's over. It's over. I'm done. And by the way, Michael Rappaport, what's he get off of like, you know, treating every person who's cheating on somebody as a monolith? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, wha- it's like every male who's you, done that. You feel you? It feels like you're a part of that group. No, okay. I've never cheated on this. Okay. This scandal is so stereotypical of a best friend cheating with a longtime partner that it feels right. like it's relatable. Yeah. But he's just like, I just didn't like how he framed it. That's all I'd say. The generalization because of it. Okay. Like no one, no one agrees with cheating, but mm. people cheat for different reasons at different Ew. times. And you don't, you don't. Relationships are complicated. Yeah, you don't nice. treat it as just like one lump sum. You know what I mean? Like you just, I wouldn't treat every cheater as like, oh, that person. It's it's almost making it sound like they did the same exact thing for the same exact reasons in the same exact way. I just didn't like how he framed it. Okay, but I get the whole relatable idea. I get that. I get that. I enjoyed this. I don't know about you. Enjoys a strong word. 
Yeah. I like get you into it. I like getting a peek into different worlds that yeah. I'm not really a part problem, of. I honestly probably is, I honestly would likely enjoy at, sure. least, at least parts of this I'm show. I'm sure you could go and watch it. So I'm now, sure Simone, people it. go their separate ways for a couple months and yeah. then they start yeah. filming? Is that we how it know. works? don't know. That's the crisis of it all. Oh, so we, we don't know don't if this know. is the end of Vanderpump? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, because they're all fighting. Do you let that guy come back in? And they were together because they were a couple and now they don't want to speak to him anymore. I don't know if the infrastructure can support itself without these he is, demon, here's demon my prediction. people. Hmm. He is going to be back. You think so, huh? <laughs> I mean, yes. he's yeah, he's the villain now. Yeah, he's what the, are we doing? He's the back guy. He's the reason why yeah. people are like watching this in droves. Him, yeah. Oh, they'll interact. They're... You want to know why they'll interact? They'll interact because a, it's reality. Is TV. the whole has the whole friend group turned on him? Yeah, yeah let me finish. even his dudes. Yeah. Uh, there's one guy. Okay, Could I get to a my business point partner. Sure. You? Yeah. Sorry. Before you railroad me and ask a separate question. Go ahead. Honey. So here's here's the thing I was saying. Like number one. He'll be back because it's reality TV. Okay. Okay. Which is not reality. Um, mm. Number two. Number two. They're all making money off this jerk. Yeah. A and lot they will say, ah, we got to have him on. This drama's good for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Because they'll just yell at him next yeah. season and he'll yep. be the jerk next season and they'll do the reunion show probably in five parts next yeah. year and they'll do the same thing and they'll make tons of money off of people like you. Didn't I send no. you? There you go again, throwing around the people like you, you people stuff. It's loaded language, man. It's loaded language you're just throwing around there. Terrible. But, uh, oh man, I just I forgot the question I was about to ask. Good. Right, because so we're, just, at, we're out of time. I'll yeah. just leave it right there. You'll save it for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Or uh, when I'm not here. No, thank you. I'm on vacation. No, no. Space. Thank you, Simone. I'll be mourning, but somehow I'll get through it. You um, will get through it. I Trust me. I can't leave his boys bailed on him. You've gotten through much worse. Yeah, he deserves it. He deserves I wouldn't stand by my friend if he was a cheating scum. Yeah. Rami. All right. See, and you, Simone was giving me the eyes earlier when I was just trying to say not every cheating <laughs> situation is the same. I'm going to bail on my guy. But I'm happy you dropped that bomb because now what mistakes. I said. People make I'm supposed to bail on my friend? Looks much better now. Rami's a big forgive and forget Yes, guy. exactly. People aren't disposable. Again, it's in the details. Yeah. It's in the details. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, top story coming up. The fact that you are capable of this sh- unbelievable. You're a dementor. I know you like Harry Potter.